Thanks for tuning back into the Catch My Drift podcast. This is your host, Matt Kelmus. And today with me, I got Matt Hogan and Zach Ansel. Matt and Zach are both local outdoor nuts and walleye and turkey enthusiasts. Maddie and Zach, thanks for coming over, guys. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good. Doing well. All righty. Well, we are, uh, we're sitting here back at my place where we got a case of uh, bush lattes we're trying to make our way through here. Got the twins on in the background. I know it's uh, kind of hard for both of you to watch the twins right now, how well they're doing compared to your cubs. <laughs> that is the case. <laughs> That's okay. What? Uh, rebuilding. <laughs> are you in a rebuilding phase or what? Somewhat. That's yeah. what they say. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's every team's excuse when they're having a bad year. It's the rebuild year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a process. It is. It is. But, oh, well, that's how it goes. Um, being a Minnesota sports fan, it's it's kind of a little crazy. I've, I've never really uh, experienced quite the year they, the Twins have been having this year. It seems like they're always 500 or under and, and, and rebuilding. You know, it's always the same old, same old story with Twins pitching. You know, they can't. Nobody can stay healthy. Byron Buxton's knee hurts, and he's always out. I don't know. I'm going to knock on wood. We're having a decent year so far. And yeah. we were talking a little bit about baseball before this, and it sounds like I'm, I'm, my biggest fear is Twins are going to get to the playoffs, and who are they going to play? Yankees. The damn Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Chicago sports fan through and through, but I would love to see a Minnesota sports team win a championship For of some sort yeah. <laughs> yeah not the vikings though yeah the vikings would probably be the the lowest on that list i'm not a I'd bears fan to, are you no i am yeah, you, oh, yeah we, we both are but i'd love to see the the twins win a world Zach, series what's the deal or, you or grew the wild up, yeah <laughs> i grew up in minnesota yeah i grew up in minnesota but you know dad grew up in uh, northern illinois and i guess i just yeah. took some of the sports with them you always want to do what your dad's doing right yep yeah makes sense makes sense yeah i remember going to games with my dad you know with the old metrodome and watching kirby puckett and all those old timers you know and having their baseball cards and i'm sure it was the same for you guys with the cubs yeah cool it's uh we're recording this podcast in uh, the beginning of june um so our fishing seasons are well underway and you guys have been having a pretty fun spring pretty action-packed from i guess the sounds of it um I guess we'll uh, we'll kind of talk a little bit about turkey hunting first. You both both kind of did some hunts together, some a little separate from the way it sounds. Uh, Matt, you want to start us off and kind of give us a recap of your season? Yeah, sure. We uh, Zach and I hunt. Uh, we hunted Minnesota together. Um, we were debating on which season to hunt, and uh, season A had some pretty rough weather, so we decided to hunt season B. Um, and uh we didn't have the greatest weather we still had it seems like it's been ridiculously windy yep all spring long uh around here but yeah we hunted season b <coughs> minnesota and uh we did pretty we did well uh i think we hunted opener which was wednesday um had a decent morning but nothing happened and then thursday zach and i split up and Zach killed his bird that afternoon, and then uh, next day we took off because it was like 25 mile an hour winds. 
and then uh, Saturday morning we went back out together and I killed my bird and then we called up a buddy because we had more uh, goblin birds in the area so we called up a buddy that was close by and he came out the next morning with us and we all rolled into the same spot where I killed mine and he killed his so perfect um, that was Sunday and then we were done sweet and that was our Minnesota season was uh was that on public or private <laughs> uh so our buddy has some ground that we that can access uh public some public that would otherwise be accessible but a little harder okay um but on his ground we can go through his ground and get to it a little easier gotcha um mine was like right on the line i remember and his actually was on the public okay um but there was the, there was birds all over the place in there. Yeah. So. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And then Sweet. and then you hunted Minnesota a couple other times. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, I had a couple other people that had tags that we kind of hunted around. And it's a little bit hard to get some people to want to go out, but we uh, we got out a couple times with the uh, girlfriend. But nice. That's the one thing I do kind of like about the way Minnesota is set up is. When you can only shoot one bird, mm-hmm. it kind of encourages people to get more people to come out and hunt because you kill your bird, you can't you can't keep hunting unless yep. you find somebody that hasn't gone out yet. So it kind right. of it kind of uh, encourages more people to go out hunting. I, I kind of started to look at it this w- that way this <clears throat> year, unlike most states where you can buy another tag and go kill another bird. Minnesota, you can't do that. So get other people into it and take other people out which is kind of a i guess looking at it that way it's, yeah it's a it, there's good good parts to it so it's good good practice you know gaining skills doing that all you know hunting with other people is always hard because it is you got to position them where you would normally want to be positioned and it's not always easy it's, right it, it's been proven uh at least for myself the last couple of years trying to hunt with inexperienced hunters that you know, you're setting up in places where you would sit and you can see the bird just fine and in a kill zone and the person that's got the gun does sure. not. So So you said you hunted with your girlfriend? Yep. Did was she fortunate enough to tag out or No. Uh okay. we actually were hunting the same piece of piece of ground uh but one of my buddies' places, high school buddy, and hunting right on the line of the private and public and uh called one in about twenty five yards and she didn't quite get the get sure. the trigger pulled, but a good experience. Goblin, yeah. you know, the whole nine yards, just no trigger pull. So gotcha. it's good. Yeah, uh, three I mean, years in a row now. So okay, it's gonna, okay it, if it, the turkey wins, as some people say. That's yeah, right. That's right. So as far as I mean, as far as anybody concerns, is concerned, that's a dead turkey. Yep. I mean, exactly. And hopefully, she learned something and yep. can capitalize on next year. Yeah, and and it's you know it's been a slow progression of wanting to get out and go on the mornings you know it's early mornings and it's a little bit hard to get people out of bed that aren't morning people and yeah but it's been it's been it's been getting better it's been you know i think she hunted five out of the seven days okay (laughs) that's going pretty hard yeah yeah we we hunted pretty good we we covered some ground and not hunting too much you know not trying to push it but mm -hmm. you know enough to where having some gobbling always helps yep (laughs) and stuff going on so yeah it'll 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 come together it's just a matter of time so right yeah, it's and, not easy waking up, you know, at three thirty or four every yep. morning to get yeah. after it like that. But the other thing is, is you don't have to go early. Like, no, sure. You've, yeah, I mean, we've had plenty of noon to four p.m. Yep. action. You, I've, you killed yours at four 
four thirty. So I think out of all right? the out of all the turkeys I think I've ever shot, I think I've only killed one in the morning. Really? I've killed everyone else besides noon and four thirty, five o'clock. Sure. I find that if you can strike a bird in the afternoon between that noon and four o'clock, I mean that's a dead turkey walking if yep. you got ground up ground to work with. So seems to be our experience anything midday really <laughs> bird gobbling midday is normally a good sign mm-hmm. it is yep lonely yep. yeah so now you um you guys both took trips out of state is that correct yeah together together, together. Well, yeah. yeah we went yeah one of them yeah we we both uh we didn't apply for any wisconsin uh tags this year last year we did and him and i got a season c last year and okay we went uh and hunted around uh, Prairie Shane and struck out. Um, and then this year we decided not to apply for anything and just see what was going to be left over. Yep. And we ended up picking up season D tags for zone one. And uh, we went and hunted the way east side of zone one where it, it's flat and not hill country like around here. Okay. That's trying, very, very different. Yeah, I try to get some different perspective on some things and learn yeah. some new stuff, I guess, was kind of the objective there. Yeah, we had some, a place to stay over there, so yeah. we went, and there's a, there a ton of public over there. Not all of it uh, proved to be worthwhile, but uh, we learned a ton. And um, first morning, we had some pretty good action. Second morning um, is when I killed my bird. And then uh, the third morning, we went into the same spot, and... Uh, we had some circumstances that uh, the, the the farmer turned on the uh, pivot irrigation. Oh boy! Right on us. Six forty-five we in the we morning. Were on a field edge, and so, uh, but uh, got a little wet, I guess. No, we uh, luckily I I heard that the the water coming, and we got we got out of there in time. So no no yeah. water, but yeah, but that yeah. So that was we had uh, we have three mornings that we hunted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we we had the first like an afternoon to scout, and then we had three mornings, and we filled one of two tags. So I'd nice. say that's a going to a, a place you never turkey hunted before, and filling one of two tags is I'd say that was a success. Absolutely, so we learned Absolutely. learned a lot, and it's a new area learned about too. You know, and mm-hmm. maybe you want to go back. Maybe you had a good time this year. Go back next year. Yeah, I would say the one thing we learned was that I mean we saw forty to fifty hens. Wow, and it was just very turkey rich environment just not much for male birds from what we saw and we yeah. we hunted through the middle of the day until it got about 90 degrees and couldn't yeah, move. it was yeah. a warm yeah. stretch of weather there but yeah we figured we saw probably 45 turkeys over three days mm-hmm. and f- what 41 of them were hens we saw four wow. four male birds yeah maybe five yeah and it so. must have been just where the progression of the quote-unquote turkey rut was that there sure. must where yeah. you know the nesting whatever was going on there was just not a lot of male either, birds out either that, that or those weird. four toms have got their work cut out for them yeah. Right? <laughs> lucky birds yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> well yeah. sweet but the, there was a that was a huge difference of hunting that was flat land mm-hmm. over there versus hunting the hills around here yeah definitely see them from a lot further yeah. away mm-hmm. all through all, we were with our other buddy hunter and all three of us were like well we, we don't know what to do around here in this flat flat country yep it's just different the way you've got to listen for birds and set up on birds and make mm-hmm. your moves and stuff because you don't have any topography to move to to work with 
hide so, behind and sneak around. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like it was flat. It was swampy too. So you had to, you couldn't just walk right through the middle of stuff. Oh, it boy. was, it was all, it was nasty. We, we tried it one day and it was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the turkeys live in that area. So <laughs> Not the swamps. No. no. Well, I don't know. They we, might. It's not what we heard, but not, so, yeah. Yeah. We down, sh- down south, they sure do. Like, you know, and you'd hear about people like in the Florida swamps mm-hmm. and all that, but. I guess mm-hmm. that those turkeys don't really know any different. Right. They don't have maybe an ag field that they can seek refuge in dry land yeah. on, but right. yeah, who knows. I knew you guys also went to Iowa, is that correct? Uh, no. So uh, that was that was Wisconsin season D. Okay. Um, our buddy Hunter killed a bird in Iowa oh, early. Um, and then uh, I hunted season F. Excuse me. I hunted season F um, zone three um kind of spur in the moment thing uh uh and uh that was what was that that was like may 28th yeah so that, w- that would have been the latest i've ever turkey hunted mm-hmm. and uh i had a piece of ground that i could hunt over in uh zone three thir- like 35 acres i had to work with and uh, there's a lot of turkeys over in that area and uh i was able to kill one there i, I just had one morning to hunt and it's 15 bucks to grab a an extra turkey tag in wisconsin the first one's 80 which i had already paid for and every additional one after that's 15 bucks so i was like no brainer we're not too bad we were going to be over that way anyway and so i grabbed an extra tag there's only nine thousand of them left over for (laughs) zone three and uh so i grabbed one and i had a pretty good morning and i i killed another bird so nice yeah it was uh it was a pretty classic example of a a tom kind of getting kicked out from his hens mid-morning and coming you know gobbling on back to his area that he was roosted in looking for a new hen and i just happened to to be in the right area at the at the right time i it was i'm 90 percent convinced it was a bird that was roosted right next to me early and okay. uh he kind of flipped me the bird off the roost and went the other way with his hens he was with at least two hens maybe more and uh I just kind of stuck around and uh, called every once in a while, and I walked around a little bit, and eventually about 8.15 hit, and he just fired off at one of my calls, and he was headed straight back to where I was kind of set up and ended up killing him right under pretty much where I think he was roosted. That's awesome. So, yeah. So that's pretty late in the year. That I've never, yeah. I don't think I'm trying, trying to, you know, when you said that, trying to play through the, all the birds that I've shot, over the years, and I've never shot one. I don't think that late. Yeah, That's yeah, it was the latest neat. I've ever killed one. I mean, not that I've killed a million turkeys, but right. it was out of out of what the hunting I have done. It was the latest I've ever cool. killed one. So, cool. yeah, it's sweet. So, you, what was that? Two or three for you that year? Three this yeah. year. That's good. Yep. Got any plans? What are you doing with them all? Making stew and uh, jerky or what? <laughs> well, yeah, lots of stuff. I've uh, I've actually been. Uh, I really like doing stuff with the legs. Okay. And I think uh, two years ago is when I really started uh, kind of experimenting a little more with with uh, cooking turkeys. And uh, this year uh, we did a gumbo with the legs, uh, a turkey pizzoli. Um, I might smoke one of them, but yeah, the legs is just something that if you if you slow cook the legs and do mm-hmm. them right and they're they're so good nice and uh let's see what else 
I pretty much do something with everything, the heart. Um, I like to smoke the breasts. Um, and then gizzard. Really? I threw, I, yeah, I, I actually just threw the gizzard in with the, with the facility and the slow cooker and just shredded it apart and huh. really good. That's something I've never done. Yeah. I've, I've eaten turkey gizzards like, you know, sometimes my, me and my buddies will go, go down to like Mauer Brothers or something. They got pickled turkey gizzards and I don't know. I, don't, I think they're good. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. They're, they're great. No, yeah. You should, you should try it sometime. It's a little, it's a little weird when you open them up because yep. they're full of the stones, you know, yep. and then stuff that they've eaten and like green stuff. So yeah. it might smell a little bit, but you rinse it out and then you kind of peel the inner membrane out and you're just left with the gizzard. And huh. if you, if you slow cook it, I, I guess I haven't like tried frying it or anything, but yeah. if you slow cook it, it just shreds apart and it, it it's got really good flavor. Yeah. It tastes really, it's, it's really dark meat, kind of like the legs. So the, okay. the legs and gizzard are both really dark meat. Yeah, I'd give I'd, that a shot. I would compare it to similar to the thigh meat, you yeah. know, with how it strings apart a little bit, but okay. it's uh, it's almost got like a nutty taste to it. I don't know. It's yeah, kinda, it's different. Yeah. Whatever it is. But. Yeah, yeah. I I guess I I had never thought of the word nutty to describe it, but I guess I can <laughs> I can see where that would come from because when you do open it up, it's full of it's got you know little pieces of walnuts and acorns in sure. there, and so I guess yeah, nutty. <laughs> they they eat anything, man. It's it's crazy what they can eat. I found yeah. slugs and, I mean, it's crazy. They eat yeah. anything. Was the, the, we found most the, of them. Yeah, my Minnesota bird, I opened it up and it was full of those green, people call them stink bugs. Okay. I don't know if that's yeah. actually what they're called, but you know those green, I guess when you see them in your house, sometimes they're brown, but they're just kind of like little beetle looking things. Sure. One of, it was full of those huh. green ones. Crazy. I shot one one year and it, it had like a, I don't know I don't even know what kind of plant it is you guys might know but it, I mean it grows in prairies and it's just got like a big it's almost like a ball of seeds and it had just an entire one of those balls not like it had picked it apart or anything it like just latched onto it and plucked it off the stem and swallowed it it was yeah. crazy yeah it seemed like like about eating a pine cone like super dry and ugh, yeah. I don't know yeah. anyway. Yeah. When you see them walking around, they're just pecking at stuff. Like the like the bird he killed in Minnesota, it was just he came in pecking. He was almost he was just pecking yeah, at almost... the ground, but he was coming in, you yep. know, to calls. And it's just you know what are they just, just interesting feeders? Yep. Yeah, always pecking at the ground, eating little mm-hmm. bugs and turkeys doing turkey things, Nuts right? And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I kind of wanted to talk to you about, and we you know we were talking about this a little bit um, before we started recording. Um, was this it's a technique called fanning and we and um, me and myself and cousin Noah we talked a little bit about this on the previous episode um, episode 34 when we when we recap our our Minnesota Wisconsin and Nebraska season and the first bird that I shot down in Nebraska this year was was uh, was reaping or fanning and again for those of you that aren't familiar with this it's a it's a technique of hunting that you take your an old turkey fan um, and you can you can actually just crawl behind that um, but different companies make decoys for me you can put that fan in there and crawl behind the decoy avnx is the avnx trophy time is the one that i use um, and you guys have both both taken a turkey using that technique where yeah, do you guys i guess i'll admit it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Just i no I, shame. I don't have any shame in admitting it either i mean yeah. it, i it's a uh, you know, I'm okay with doing that, and I know it's these days, it's kind of a hot item. You know that people are talking about. Yes, I know definitely. 
Tennessee just outlawed it in on public land and on all public lands. Yep. That was recent or recent earlier this week. Yeah, yeah three days ago. Yep. Oh, so whatever. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. So what I we were talking about it a little bit earlier, but what I what I said is I'm in favor of it being outlawed on public land for safety reasons, not ethical reasons. Uh, obviously, you can see how it would be a safety concern doing yep. it on public land. You, yep. There's been stories of people getting shot doing stuff like that um but in terms of the ethical side of it i mean i've i've only been turkey hunting for eight or nine years i i i'm young i don't feel like i'm in a position to tell people what they should and should not do hunting ethics wise so if it's legal i'm not gonna tell somebody that they shouldn't be doing something Mm -hmm. i guess at this point that could change you know as i get older and maybe think about it more and spend more time hunting but as of now i am not really i don't feel like i'm in a position to tell people what they should and should not do but the safety part of it i think is a mm-hmm. legitimate uh point but uh i guess i will say yeah i i have killed one doing that before it one of it was one bird and it actually was my first one um but it's i wouldn't say it's my favorite way to hunt turkeys i mean if you told me tomorrow that we couldn't reap or fan turkeys anymore i don't think i would care one bit because i think the more fun way to hunt turkeys anyway is to call them in in the woods Mm -hmm. so i that's kind of that's kind of where i stand on Mm -hmm. it i suppose yeah i i think the that same along the same lines of you know just not necessarily ethical reasons but you know safety reasons it's a big deal you know Mm -hmm. private lands I grew up hunting private land for the most part. I don't think I'd have an issue with it. I'd kill the bird doing it. Like Matt said, not my favorite way to hunt. I'd rather run and gun on them with no decoys and in the hardwoods and mm-hmm. playing ball with them face-to-face. But it's kind of just the style that we've come to hunt and like doing. And uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't know. It's, it's hard when you've got people that are <coughs> telling you, you know, you can't shoot a turkey with a fan because they're the, the population's declining but yet then they're driving around killing 35 40 turkeys in a spring right multiple birds per state you know to me it seems like it would be easier if a state just said yep you can kill one bird a piece and then you're on your way yep. you know kind of thing and and i get it people you know people that are good at at what they're doing and killing them with coming to the call and doing that i mean you want to bang for your buck right you don't mm-hmm. want to travel all across the country and kill one turkey i mean it's not a lot of meat in terms of a meat run yeah that's not the idea it's it's kind of the the whole aspect of being in the woods with them and being calling them in yeah it it, the the argument of the turkey populations are declining because of reaping is a little bit tough for me to get on board with right now Mm -hmm. i maybe see some see some numbers in the future that would prove that maybe but at this point i feel like there's a lot more to yeah. the turkey population numbers than just people are reaping turkeys making the numbers go down because of the success rate is higher i i feel like there's more to it than that i was thinking i was having a discussion with uh another guy about this too um you know like what what percent of turkey hunters do you think reap that's what we were talking about on the way up here when we had this conversation. We're talking I think it's about definitely increasing. You know, would yeah. a guy that goes out on a regular basis, on a year-to-year basis, 
not kill a turkey because he's not able to call him into a call or call him into a blind with decoys, you know, I don't know. There's probably some people that would not fill a tag if they did not drive around, find turkeys out in the fields, crawl mm-hmm. behind a fan, and, you know, is that okay? Is that, you know, how do you... And the so- social media has definitely contributed <laughs> to the reaping thing becoming yeah. more of a, a thing, for sure, because mm-hmm. you see so many videos of it on social media and then that's what new hunters are seeing and they're thinking oh this is how you do it and then they're doing it and yep well my thing is like i mean you know, you guys know you guys are both deer whitetail hunters and and turkey hunters and duck hunters i mean you guys know how lazy people are like what yeah. percent of what percent of hunters do you think can crawl a hundred yards behind you know on their hands and knees or on their elbows and knees behind a fan like yeah. that I mean, or who's going to want to do that? I don't know. I feel like if I'm thinking of it, you know, yeah, I mean, I think 15% that, or 20% of people, like, yeah. it's, I mean, it's tough work. Yeah, and the amount of videos you see of it happening on social media does not directly translate to how many people are actually doing it. Right. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, if you look at, I don't, I don't think I like to look at it in terms of like physical effort that it takes, but it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, isn't easy but it's the instant gratification of you you see one out in the field mm-hmm. and you crawl on it and you can it doesn't take much skill you know woodsmanship or anything like that to do it i get i mean sure. i get that that's the but in, if you're hiking around and you're hunting hard and you have one hang up at 60 70 yards and you know you got a tag in your pocket and you're yeah. gonna go through any you know, reason to kill it. I mean, that's to, to fill the tag. I mean, that's the that's the objective. Yep. Um, yeah. Especially in a new place where you're limited on time. Mm-hmm. So. It kind of goes along with the mentality of, oh, you got to fill tags, fill tags, yeah. kill limits. You know, it's all about killing, killing limits, filling tags instead of just, you know, you, you can have a successful hunt where you don't kill anything. Right. You know. Yep. Yep. I agree with you. It's like we talked about earlier with, you know, if you call bird in for somebody else that they don't shoot it i mean you consider that to be a dead turkey i mean that's a dead turkey walking and far as i'm concerned yeah 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 we always talk about you just just don't have a a picture a dead dead turkey picture or whatever did it happen if it it. wasn't on instagram (laughs) you called a turkey in that's awesome that's a successful hunt whether it got shot or not yep if it didn't get shot whatever you get to go out the next day yep yeah and the other thing you know my my thing is like so this 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 tom that we found down in nebraska we it was on this lady's this lady's ranch and we got permission right away and i, I like i think it was about 2:30 in the afternoon if i'm if i'm remembering this correctly my thing is like i'm going to kill that bird i mean i know i am i whether it's you know 25 minutes after i got permission from this lady or the next morning you mm-hmm. know i'm going to sit around i'm a scout i'm going to watch where he goes up in that tree and then what am I going to do in the morning? I'm going to go sit by that tree, put a de- you know a hen decoy out, and he's going to fly down. And I'm going to shoot him in the head. I mean, am I going to kill him 25 minutes after getting permission, or the next morning? What difference does it make? Right. You know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, it, it it goes in. I mean, it's the whole thing of. I mean, you put in the time, right? You drove down there, you scouted around, you found a turkey, and you got permission. I mean, that's half the battle, right? Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's more than half the battle. I mean, it's like anything else. It's like you know, it's like waterfall hunting out in the Dakotas or Canada or anything. You, drive around scout find birds ask permission and yep. go go hunt them you know whether it's that day or the next day doesn't matter right 
So yep. we're still looking to yeah. fill tags and, and have success ultimately is, mm-hmm. you know, and how you deem success is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the states go with it. You know, like we we just talked about Tennessee being another one of the states outlawing it, you know, on public lands that, I, you know, we'll have to see what yeah. uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin and all these other states, if they follow suit or they, I don't know, it'll be interesting yeah. to see. At least that takes care of the safety part of it. Yeah. But still a lot of hunting that takes place on private land so just outlawing it on public land is yep and there's a lot of stupid people you know <laughs> yeah. big bucks especially make mm-hmm. people do really stupid things yep yep yeah. some of the stories of people getting shot turkey hunting are just insane to me i mean you almost they're just almost hard to believe reading right. about them the way that they describe how it went down is like yep. how does that even happen you know it's just hard to fathom yeah, it's, it it kind of all goes back to I mean even like taking hunter safety like I have the the card in my wallet still yeah. and on the back you know it's got the Ten Commandments and you know like one I forget if it's like the first or second one but they just drill it into your head of be sure of your target and what's beyond right. yeah. I mean common sense yeah. just goes out the window yeah, common sense just kind of went out the window the last yeah, you know, that's five true. ten years anyways so that's true yeah. Well, cool. I know. Um, I know. You know. You guys are both uh, both passionate walleye guys as well. You guys yeah. have had a pretty just from following you guys on socials. It's looking like you guys have had pretty pretty solid spring so far. Yeah, we uh, we kind of you know try to be the first ones out on the river and you know ice out and throughout the throughout the winter if we can. But you know it's kind of a driving up and down the river, try to figure out which pool is going to open first or close to open and then we'll go and maybe help it along a little bit with a little chainsaw work or <laughs> you know push a boat across the ice here and there but yeah it, uh, it's been a good good spring overall i think you know water water didn't come up as early as we would have liked it but i think overall we've we found a plenty of fish and yep she's sure little, up she's sure up right now yeah that's on its way down falling though yep but yeah it's uh yeah we had, we had to do a little did a little traveling to find some other fish and a little bigger fish and cool kind of made an annual trip out of kind of doing something but yep yeah. yeah it's been a good spring sweet yeah as much as we love fishing the mississippi for walleye around here going to the heading east over to green bay and fishing the green bay system and those trips is just it's just different <laughs> those fish are on our uh, hungry and mean and they they're easy to find yeah i yeah. don't know what it is about it yeah that's something i never done and i i don't walleye fish too much um my dad, like we were talking about, my dad and I are we're going up to Canada um, this coming week, and I mean, aside from that, I fish, you know, a little bit with my buddy who, pre, you know, he fishes tournaments, and so he's out, he'll send me a text if he wants to, you know, buddy for pre-fishing. Um, so, you know, I, I got certain days of the week off that I can head out with him, but uh, yeah, I, I usually, I don't know, I don't, usually don't target him, so. Yeah, yeah but, it's it's been a it's been an interesting progression the last five years i'd say with the different water levels that we've had and kind of how the fish set up in different spots along the you know just different areas mm-hmm. and we start finding stuff and you find a bite one year and you can't fish memories because next year they're not there because the water level is different and yep yeah just constantly moving around and looking at yeah how the reading the current the river yep. is just always changing it's big and it's always changing yep. it's just the hardest i i think it's one of the harder bodies of water to to consistently stay on fish like sure just day-to-day things changing so much so that being said what uh what are you what are some of the things that you're you're looking for like say you got you know 
let's say you got the weekends coming up here. You got plans to go out fishing. Well, what are you what are you looking for to go fish? I guess this weekend or let's say you know two months ago. Yeah, I'd say first of all we try to stay off the river on the weekends and we fish, sure. fish during the middle of the week because there's sense. less people but Makes yeah sense. If, yeah i mean i mean if you're looking at two months ago kind of looking at ice out uh right around that april april you know march april time frame i mean we're looking for typical year we probably get on the river the first few days of march mm-hmm. yeah and, and i mean i think it's current seams and you know anything out by the dam like anybody else you know right you try to the first people out at the dam usually find yep. most of the fish but it's yep. well that's usually what's what's uh fishable yeah, out of a boat yep. that time of year anyway yep. most of the lower stuff in the backwaters is still pretty icy yeah but in terms of down down river i think kind of our mentality is always before the first one's out we try to go get up on that up at the dam bite first because uh, well, nobody's been fishing it yet but then once most boats come out we kind of start exploring down river a little bit mm-hmm. and trying to find some other stuff that i feel like in the early spring fishing for walleyes if we're planning on fishing down river we can pretty much bank on that we're not going to have a lot of other boats around us because most people go up and fish the dam because that's where the highest concentration of fish are so yep but going down river we can kind of do a little more exploring and maybe find some bigger fish probably less concentration of fish but a little more rewarding to go down river and find fish there sure as opposed to just going up and playing bumper boats at the dam right know. right yeah we kind of do things on our own terms a little bit and it's i i like to look at it a lot like uh whitetail hunting you know i grew up hunting big deer and looking at you know you you want to hunt specific deer versus a, a you know if you go out and say oh, i'm gonna go out and shoot a two-year-old shotgun during gun season that's kind of what fishing walleye run you know the the pre-spawn fish is like you know you got all your you know 18 to 22 inch fish hanging out below the dam mm-hmm. right away and ice out and a there's four, a 14 and three yeah 14 and three quarter inches <laughs> but it depends on the year but yeah there's you know your highest concentration of fish are up up at the dam and they're hungry and yeah once all the you know, beat up on those fish for a couple of days kind of get knock the rust off a little bit and then you go and you start using your river skills and reading the reading the currents and looking for different stuff that the fish are relating to depending on what the water levels are and kind of just looking for small pockets of fish that are you know hungry because they're usually hungry so early on like that are they you know deeper looking to get up shallower to spawn i would say for the most part that that first part of march into april with the water temps are still 30 to you know 35 to four under 40 degrees really they're still going to be out you know out a little deeper so you're fishing them you know three ways and heavier jigs out on tips of wing dams and in between the dams on i would would define deeper as 15 to 20 feet yeah sometimes maybe deeper. yeah maybe even going 25 but you know vertical jigging and and Mm -hmm. pulling three ways and dragging jigs still you know if the current allows and whatnot and yep but looking for seams and current flows because in the spring, you know, in the spring you get a lot of the shad that die over mm-hmm. the winter times in the backwaters and they get flushed down and fish are looking for an easy meal. So. Yep. yep. So do you guys ever fish uh, <clears throat> like where they, you know, up shallower where they spawn and like later picking yeah. off males or? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at, if you're, if you're looking at progression of, of the way that the fish are, what we've seen seem to see is you can, usually find a good 
good pot of males up shallower that that five to 15 range depending on if you get a warm sunny day and those fish will push up shallow and be up on the sand yeah, flats and, feeding and, and depending on the water level but <laughs> that that water temp that seems like it's like sometimes the magic temp like 43 degrees is like i don't know when i see 43 or warmer it's like okay fish should be pushing up shallow and, sure and if if you got the right water levels like we've caught walleyes out of foot and a half water before three you inches know. of water you know <laughs> there you go yeah you could see you could, their back you, know, you could probably see their backs if you looked hard enough yeah. you know they're just i don't know why they're up there i mean they're up there to spawn and feed and everything else but yeah, yeah it's a it's a progression you know it's like anything else you get you know you got your fish are they're <coughs> staging in areas and you just kind of can find those and you really got to know how to read the river and the currents of what's going on i think is the biggest portion mm-hmm. we don't look at the graphs and the electronics as much as you know if you went to fish like green bay or stuff like that there you can say okay there's a pot of fish here mark that waypoint and we'll go look for some other fish and you know or fish them you know kind of thing but it's more about reading <clears throat> reading the current as opposed to reading your graph i mean still utilize the side this was actually the first or maybe second spring that i had mm-hmm. side imaging and <clears throat> yeah we use it and definitely saw fish on it and marked fish and caught fish sea fish catch fish you know that type of thing yep but definitely not my first point of you know uh, it a lot of the t- a lot of times you i feel like just marking fish on the river it could be <laughs> sheephead it could be literally pen. anything sure sheephead, you know how many big sheephead spots we found you know it's just you know, get <laughs> yeah. into a spot where there's thousands of sheephead most of the time when <clears throat> most of the time on the mississippi when we mark like an insane amount of fish side imaging down imaging whatever it is it's like oh yeah they're probably sheephead you know (laughs) (laughs) so but but yeah i mean it's more reading the current as opposed to reading your graph sure i think the biggest thing is having a bait in the water and putting it past fish and if you get bait in the in the fish's face long enough it's probably going to eat it you know slow is the big thing early you know when the water temps are cold you know we're dragging jigs on sand flats that are you know doing 0.3 miles an hour upstream getting a jig that just sits there and floats in front of their face and mm-hmm. you know you, yeah. sometimes yeah. they'll pin it to the bottom and sometimes they'll whack it and have it down their throat so it kind of depends on the fish dragging jigs is something that i've really just come to love because of not because mm-hmm. it's fun to do because it can be a little tedious and slow sure but it works you know like it it's normally how most of our bigger fish are caught is dragging jigs yep. And then you'd pair that jig with a plastic then or yep. like a ringworm or something? Yeah. Dragging so ringworms early is, we, we always start with dragging ring, ringworms yep. and then, oh. you know, pulsars and moxies and other plastics as well. But ringworms seems to normally be our base where we start. Okay. And as the water warms up, you get a little bit more aggressive, a little more thump tail, you know, paddle tail type stuff and a little bit more thump in there and a little bit faster. You can go more heavier, heavier jigs and, you know, really moving around and get more of the reaction bite than anything. But sure. Yeah. I mean, even now, you know, I've still, I've still got a ringworm on a jig head, a pitch around on the wing dams and stuff like that as you kind of work through your progression just because sure. it's a confidence bait. Right. Right. As long as if you've got something you, you catch fish on, you know, you can catch fish on it. You're probably going to catch fish on it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I will say that the, I've always, thought the higher the water the better it seems like when we get the high water early it just we seem to be able to find fish i i don't know what it is but it's just i look back on that year 20 
was it 2019 that we had the crazy mm-hmm. high water right from the get-go yeah i think we weren't even out on the river until april first couple of days of april and we were one of the first ones out it wow. which is pretty late for not for getting out on the river for the first time in the year sure and uh we had that crazy high water all spring it almost all summer long yeah. and i would say that's that's the best spring and summer of fishing i've had on the river for walleye by far yeah uh it went from you know throwing half ounce jigs and pulsars up into the <laughs> woods because the, the river was so high we were catching them out of the woods losing losing a jig every three casts but yeah. catching a nice one every couple casts to to catching them on willow cats and you know june through july as yep. the high water stuck around i i don't know what it was about the i've i've talked to other people that have kind of thought the same thing they had great years fishing that year but i've also talked to people that didn't even go out because the river was too high and they sure. didn't want to deal with the high water that type of thing but yeah. Uh, launching parking lots or off the uh, off the levee road to get yep. the boat in the water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That you're duck hunting. How many times we, the the ramps and everything were all gated off and closed, and you just go and find the find the best spot to yeah. put the boat in off the levee. I like when the river's high. That's that's what I like. Duck sure. hunting, yep. walleye fishing, everything. Yep, yep. yep. But uh, this, this so this year I mean, we did get some high water. It's on its way down right now, but we didn't get it until later spring, early summer the last what it's been high for two three, weeks three two weeks. three weeks yeah. now um but not not crazy high but high yeah. so. it spreads the fish out and now when they're they're going into their summer spots and you know you're not able to fish them on the wing dams like you yeah. think what the fish set up on the wing dams early summer and it's a willow cat bite and you cast crankbaits on them and pitching jigs still and that really hasn't been the case i mean it's a lot of We've still been fishing with willow cats and still been catching fish and yeah, but there's, I think you'd agree with this. There's something about the high water you said spreads fish out. There's also something about the really high water that seems to concentrate fish, because of the current. You, it, there's there's less spots for mm-hmm. them to sit if when the water's so high. So it yep. it almost seems like sometimes you can predict to them a little better when the water's really high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've struggled pretty hard with really low water late summer type of thing you'd think oh fish should be on wing dams because the water is super low but they probably are they but they're but they're all in the middle of the channel because there's that's where the current's at and they're right they're relating to little rock piles and stuff in the middle of channel and that they're you know not able to easy to find or easy to fish you know for first of all and so and it's a like i said it's 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 always changing and when the river's changing you know you constantly have to adapt yep figuring it out that's why you know we fish a couple of tournaments and some some little little club stuff around and it's kind of funny when you talk to talk to different people and see how it's been going and yeah it's a struggle for everybody you know and when invites good it's good for everybody but yep yep so well sweet yeah we've still been fishing with the high water it's kind of crazy the lack of people that have been out the last three weeks and then eh, the bite's still been decent but you go out one day and you catch them good and go out the next and don't catch them yeah it is hard to predict sometimes when there's going to yeah. be people on the river and when there's not i mean sometimes mm-hmm. we're out and we're like where is everybody yeah, <laughs> yeah. but sometimes we're out and it's like holy shit yeah. why is so yeah, why, boats yeah. Right here? i was out this past thursday but i was doing smallmouth fishing and i only saw one other boat well one, one other fisher boat and then one one of those giant <laughs> ones that just they must just start up and i don't know 
the cities and go oh, down, to Chi- yeah, down, yeah. down to Chicago and just see how much gas they can burn. <laughs> but <laughs> New Orleans. Yeah, New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. It's kind of nice when you know when you get. It's great. You can get out there and you're, it's nice and quiet. You don't have to worry about people fishing in all your spots, and yep. you can just go do whatever you want. Yeah, you don't, it's don't great. have to worry about other people. So, and I had a great day fishing too, man. It, yeah, I. It took a while to find. You know, I, I couldn't hardly fish in the main current. I mean, it was just <laughs> ripping. Yeah, but yeah, some of the backwater spots, I found some. You know, a couple big pods of them, and yeah, it was fun. I had a really good time. Yeah, I mean, it's like anything. You put your time in, and you you spend, you know, we spend a lot of time out fishing and out on the river in general, and mm-hmm. you definitely have your bad days and days that don't go the way you think they should. Yep. But I think the biggest thing that I look at is you learn from those, and you, you kind of just go forward, and, all right, well, what was good about that day? You and can't have your sweet without the sour. Nope, exactly, yeah. and that's what the river is. I mean, you listen to some of these guys that there's a, you know, NWT walleye tournament down in Prairie du Chien, and you listen to some of these guys whining about the high water, and it's kind of funny because I laugh because I, you know, I was, you know, suck it up a little bit and go find some fish. I mean, quit, yep. quit bitching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I didn't, if I didn't live around the Mississippi and fish the Mississippi a lot, but I was walleye fisherman that fished all over the place, and I showed up to the Mississippi with high water, I would be what the hell is going on i have no idea I mean, <laughs> no idea where to start a little discouraging yeah 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 it's yep. a reason why the guys that come from the river are so good at adapting to different things and can go catch fish on a lot of places and you can go to you know we go to other areas and go and look at some different you know new waters and stuff like that and have had success doing that and mm-hmm. now going to green bay it's similar it's it's really similar to going fishing the tribs and stuff like that of fishing current seams and really being able to read the water and what's yep. going on so it's been a big big factor in our success there's a lot of days that will humble you <laughs> not even just fishing duck hunting anything yep. Yep. yep absolutely yeah mother nature is uh she always wins she's always especially on the mississippi yeah yep <laughs> we were talking a little bit about the wind and you know as a fly fisherman and you know, as you guys turkey hunters, holy smokes, has it been a windy spring? This is like, yeah, probably the most windiest <laughs> spring that I can think yeah. of. I haven't seen any numbers or anything, but just from being outside, <laughs> yeah. it's like I feel like ten to fifteen is standard, and right. then like twenty to twenty-five was frequent in April, late April, early May, I guess. Yeah, not to jump away from the fishing side, but during my turkey season, you know, when we decided that we we're going to hunt season B, it was just like. All right, I guess we'll uh, ten mile an hour winds is normal, yeah. And uh, fifteen is kind of common now, so I guess we're just gonna go for it and hunt it. And you know, that's when yeah, you know, we hunted the first day and it got to noon. We're like, oh man, it's it's really ripping. <laughs> I think we better go to work for a couple hours. Yeah, we definitely learned to deal with the wind. Yeah, yeah. Sure. We... I definitely learned a lot this spring about yeah. hunting trees in the wind. So right. the, the area where we ended up finding most of the birds at, we actually figured out that the wind wasn't blowing in that area very hard and the turkeys were like bunched up in there in big numbers and mm-hmm. so it was kind of nice to have that as an option in our back almost pocket. like current concentrating yeah some that's very very true <laughs> but so yeah well another uh another one 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 of my more fun things that i or one of my favorite things that i guess do in the spring is uh is trout fish and i know matt you caught a pretty special fish this 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 spring yeah i I had a horseshoe up my ass for the last couple of weeks, <laughs> but uh, no, I've I'm 
I would say I'm actually relatively new to the driftless trout fishing. I mean, I've the whole for the last I don't know nine nine years that I've lived around the Mississippi River, I've been focused 99% on walleyes and being on the river, and I haven't really explored uh, fishing for trout in you know southeast Minnesota. Yep. Um, but last year I did a little bit, and then this year a uh, buddy of mine is what he does religiously mm-hmm. so i've done it a little more this year um and uh yeah it's it's awesome it's a good time it's a lot of a lot of cool stuff to yep. explore and a lot of uh a lot of fish to, to catch and yeah i i got lucky and i caught a really nice one last week <laughs> so you're t- <laughs> when you say really nice one i mean it's there'll be you know i've never caught i've i've trout fished quite a bit and i've never caught a fish of that caliber um the sucker was 24 inches, yeah, two yeah. feet long. And then yeah, any, so. anytime you can catch a fish, a brown or rainbow for that matter around here, brookies usually never get that big, but anytime you can get one over 20 inches, that's like, yep. that's like shooting 160 inch white yeah. tail. I mean, that's like something you just don't do every day. Yeah. So I know Zach's caught one that size that he can talk about in a minute, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, it was. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, about 10 minutes before it, out of the same hole, uh, my buddy caught a 21. So Oof. it was a, a 21 and a 24 right back-to-back. He caught his on, on fly fishing with a streamer. Sure. And I, I caught mine on a spinning rod, I'll admit, fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, you man. You can't tell him what. Right, right. That's a, you know, a little... But uh, I'm like I said, I'm not not I'm no expert on you know the southeast Minnesota brown trout. But with with the fly fishing versus spin fishing, I, what I've kind of picked up on is it's harder to catch those bigger ones on a fly rod because when those fish get that size, twenty you know mid twenties and up, their diet changes to more of a I don't know what the word for it is protein pecivorous. Yeah. They're, they're eating they're eating more fish instead of small stuff yep. like flies and stuff so yep yep um, like i said i'm not an expert so but but that's what i've kind of picked up on so yeah i mean i'm sure guys catch 20 the mid-20s and up on fly rats too but yeah it's it's harder for sure yeah definitely there's uh there's a lot of guys that you know that i know that uh they fly fish for them and you know the ones the bigger ones they do catch you know the upper teens into the you know low 20s the ones they do catch are, you know, it's all on big streamers. Some of them yep. are even using streamers four to five inches, you know, that'll look like, yeah. you know, baby trout or yep. other, you know, uh, like a chub or even mice, you know. Yeah. And I think probably some of the some of the people that end up catching the really big ones are the guys that are fishing with night crawlers. Yeah. For, yeah. For hey. red horse or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And that's big, a big gob of night crawlers in a, in a, in a log jam or something they hey. pull out a 25 inch brown trout browns love crawlers yeah. they do there's no doubt about I, it i have not fished for them that way and i don't plan on it but yep. <laughs> come on it's a good time you didn't grow up in this area but it's a good time <laughs> oh no if i'm fish i'll go fish for red horse and if i accidentally catch a big brown trout i will be more than happy yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet but you you've caught a big yeah brown. yep yeah growing up in in our you know driftless area you know, when I was in high school, it was a little bit less feasible to go to the river every day. So instead of going to the river, we'd go to the trout streams, and we had permission on a lot of a lot of 
private access stuff that wasn't designated easement and it's a little easier to catch some bigger fish on stuff that hasn't been restored and yep. we've, we've seen some big ones i think the biggest one that we ever pulled out that was actually we found dying that was choking on like you said uh, a big fish was 29 inches Oof. and uh it's tough to see something like that dying but it, i mean monster. it was i mean figured i don't know how old that fish would be but it was huge i mean it was big and you guys actually measured that yep yeah we had a tape with us yeah it was crazy it's you know we were 14 15 years old <laughs> at that point we didn't know you know right we didn't know that it was because we were we were going out and fishing these spots religiously and we weren't fishing you know we weren't fly fishing but we weren't fishing with live bait and we were catching, you know, going out and catching mid-20s fish pretty consistently. Dang. Not not like 24, 25, 26s, but we caught a couple of them that were that size. A lot of upper teens. You sure. Know, and, but, yeah, log jams and, and finding stuff that's been unrestored. Sure. You know, dirty streams that... Marginal you know, water, they yep, call it. Very, yep, very, yep. Yeah. And, oh, oh, shout out my buddy Klaus for putting me on that fish, who I think you, you know of of klaus right possibly yeah, yeah i think so yeah. yep yeah. yeah he has uh taught me a lot about driftless trout fishing yeah. this year so far it's fun it's it's a good time i and and you don't really need you know it's easy to do you don't really need a whole lot of gear you know i mean this time you never wear waders i mean i've always wet weight and just your waiter boots and some neoprene socks fold them over your boots and <clears throat> some pants yeah. you don't really care about and just get out there a little bit of a funny story about klaus and and me fishing this spring uh so like i said klaus he's a religious fly fisherman for for browns in southeast <laughs> minnesota and i'm religious walleye fisherman on the river so we kind of have been trading fishing trips back and forth sure. this spring and uh so he's been out with me maybe three times and i've been out with him a few times and it just so happens that he's caught a bigger he caught a bigger walleye than me this spring <laughs> while i probably spent a hundred hours more walleye fishing than, than he did and i caught a bigger trout than he did this spring while he probably spent a hundred hours more than i did trout fishing this spring so it's kind of funny how that worked out that one of the first couple times out this spring he caught a 27 inch pre-spawner dang <laughs> and didn't really know how to use a spinning rod. no he, he's he's so used to fly fishing that he didn't even know what to do with a spinning rod in his hand but i told him what, what to do and he hooked into a 27 incher dang. and that was you got to get them out there with some clouser minnows or something and fly fish for those those <laughs> we, walleyes. We somehow. did. We got them out last year. Yeah. We, we had a goal of catching one on the fly rod, and we did catch one. Yep. Albeit it was on a 16-ounce jig in a plastic, but sure. Yeah, we, we had the right conditions last year where we were, like we kind of mentioned earlier, where we were catching walleyes out of, like, a foot of water. Yep. Um, it was the, and, the problem was getting the cast up as far without spooking the fish out of that spot. Yeah. Okay. So I, I said, Klaus, you got to come out with us and we got to try to catch a walleye on a fly rod this is our opportunity to do it yep and uh it was hard i'd say while he was fly fishing and him and i were spin fishing we probably <laughs> caught 60 walleyes yeah. before he was able to hook into one but it's just it's just hard it it's, is it's not the right application but we wanted to to try it but we ended up getting it to work out mm -hmm. by putting uh I think we a put little, like a, a, a tiny chunk, little 16th ounce jig with a chunk of ringworm. Yeah, and he ended up catching one. On the yeah. Fire. yeah, yeah, it was it was cool. It was it was a good. Sometimes time. you got to do what it takes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine if you got you know, I mean, in a, in shallower stuff, I guess depending on where they are and what you know the spot you're talking about looks like. You know, if there's a lot of you know wood around there, it, you know, it's not as easy you know to get your fly and your line in there. But you know, a clouser or 
you know, some type of bait fish pattern, you know, anything like that, I'd imagine they might go after them. But yeah, I think a lot of times with the big, the big females that we're targeting early in the spring are more reaction bites. We'll catch a lot of them that have, you know, hooked in the side of the face, bottom of the chin. chin, They'll pin stuff. They're, they're, they're getting more mad than anything. And so those reaction bites are, you know, something vibrating by them, ripping wraps or, you know, a, a big plastic, you know, with a paddle tail or something up shell and, coming by them fast i don't know if the fly i mean i'm sure you can find something that imitates or you know tie something that's got a rattle in it or something oh yeah uh but i mean that that's what it would take to get a, a big fish to eat like that yeah you know yeah yeah just put it right in the right spot too mm-hmm. and you know yeah sometimes you know i found that that reaction that reaction bite is just you know sometimes it'll and i'm sure you guys know this but like with smallmouth fishing you <laughs> cast it in you know just the right spot maybe you don't know they're there and it's hard, tough to see smallies and it's like almost instantaneous yep. it's just wham they mm-hmm. you know they hit it or they you know jump out and grab it before yeah it, it's a yeah. lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> well cool one thing i i also want to talk to you guys about uh that i think listeners might find interesting you guys both work together yeah. uh for a company called geospatial services and you talked a little bit about work earlier mm-hmm. um on here but uh i guess what do you what does geospatial services do yeah so we're project uh, center yeah we're project center within the university um st mary's university of minnesota yep, all st mary's university and uh we do spatial mapping work um kind of have two main goals and the first one is to generate revenue for the university and the second one is to train students and teach students about um you know using mapping software and anything within the within the GIS realm and uh as we're training them and teaching them they're learning and we're doing real world work and doing contracted work for US Fish and Wildlife BLM uh Bureau of Land which is Bureau of Land Management um different and state departments various and other yeah state fish and game agencies and really anybody that has like any mapping projects to do that are willing to pay money to yeah and it it doesn't even have to be natural resource um based it just so happens that that's what a lot of our work has been in the last five six seven Mm -hmm. years um but really we would contract any um spatial data work that needs to be done any mapping and now it is so party are are you guys doing the mapping or what is i guess yeah so your day-to-day yep yeah our big day-to-day task is to um basically create data um okay. creating features on a on a mapping software that uh have attribution that are um used to basically uh i don't know how you'd say it just basically say what a feature is so okay. a stream feature has an attribute that tells it what it is that somebody could look up and say hey this is what it is yeah so a lot of our recent work is uh nwi updates which is natural national wetland inventory okay um and the bureau of land management is along with the other entities that we kind of mentioned are doing an update of the uh nwi wetlands and so we're we're uh creating data while looking at historical data um because everything changes with where the water is and how persistent it is and stuff yep. like that um so one of the biggest things is we're we're air photo interpreters so we're looking at aerial imagery is is our main source of of how we're how we're interpreting what goes on the the program or okay. what we're putting down on on paper basically 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that was going to be one of my... I mean, are, do you guys spend any time like out in the field these yes. areas you're mapping? Yep, yep. Or? Okay. Yep. So each project, it kind of it varies on project to project. Um, I've gotten... Well, I think we can both go over and talk about different projects we've worked on, but I've gotten to work on a couple of different projects throughout the country. So we've traveled to... I've traveled to New Mexico, Nevada, doing in-the-field stuff and verifying what we're seeing on the maps are correct and what we're putting down. Sweet. Um, I got to take a couple weeks trip out to New Hampshire to do some mapping out there and review and stuff like that. And so it's been pretty, it's been pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah. So the field work is like, is a field verification. So we might do it at the beginning of a project. We might do it in the middle or at the end. Um, but either way we're going and looking at things that we're not sure how to interpret based on looking at aerial imagery, um, or satellite imagery and, uh, yeah, so each each project will have some field work that's done. Um, we've done, like he mentioned, a lot of states, a lot of states in the West, um, Colorado, Idaho, Wyoming, um, like he mentioned, New Mexico, Nevada. Um, and then uh, we've done a lot in Alaska, which Sweet. is um, him and I actually haven't worked a lot on those projects, but uh, there's been a lot of work in Alaska, and there's a lot more work that we have coming up in Alaska, and the field works for, for Alaska are uh, pretty cool because you get to go yeah. uh, ride around in a helicopter and check stuff out in Alaska. One of our uh, our mutual friends, and I guess I don't know if I'd call him your boss. Uh, he, yeah, I would consider him my boss. <laughs> kind Kevin, of. Kevin Stark. Uh, <laughs> he's I, I met him um, actually the first year I played uh, softball uh, in Winona. He was on my softball team, and you know we're both both kind of like minded dudes, and you know we both like to hunt. We both like this area and and so forth, and. Um, he uh i've been i've been i've been pestering him i want to get him on here and um and we're, we're i guess you just trying, yeah just Definitely. trying to uh t- try to set up a time i guess is all we're, that works for us he's busy he's got three boys and yeah um he's always i mean he's gone a lot from yeah. the, the way it sounds he just got yeah. back from alaska so yeah whenever i'm bored at work i go find kevin yeah. and talk to kevin for a while because he's he's a good, he's a good dude yeah he's a good dude <laughs> Well, cool guys. Um, it's been fun having you on here. I've I've learned a lot about walleye fishing. Like I said, I don't do it too much, Ed, but uh, yeah. If you ever need a, another guy to tag along, I can see if yeah. I can catch one on the fly for you. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm surprised that we got through all talking about walleye fishing without ever mentioning willow cats. It's coming up. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. It's coming up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Willow cats are love hate relationship. Yeah. I actually tried to go and. Uh, bring back to trout fishing a little bit i actually tried to go and catch some creek chubs last week and oh, yeah. uh i couldn't keep the browns off my uh crawler <laughs> <laughs> have you guys I ever caught... been you guys ever been stung by a wool cat so yeah, so, uh, so i I've, have not he uh, has i've drawn blood like four times but it doesn't i have no effect so it really it affects so, people differently okay. because uh so your dad my dad got stung <laughs> one time early on when we were just starting to fish with little cats years ago uh-huh. and i've never seen my dad in more pain that's what i've heard it I'm... was it was pretty crazy he was he was in a lot of pain Ugh. and uh i've avoided getting stung so i don't point, but... i don't use a scoop okay. i just dip my hand just in the bucket him. and grab him because i don't i've i've been i've drawn blood three or four different times so i don't i don't think it i don't think yeah so i just I think it affects people differently some people yeah. doesn't i've uh i've i've dropped i I never like to fish with like crocs or flip-flops or nothing on so i always am barefoot i don't know i just hate fishing with shoes on i don't know 
especially, I mean, obviously out of Odie, you never would, you know, <laughs> waiting. But um, I dropped one on my foot one time, and it wasn't bad. But I, I don't think I, it, like, totally yeah. got me. Yeah. It. I mean, it definitely, it felt like a bee sting is what I can compare it to. But Yeah, I think if you get it, like, in the... T- a little bit. Yeah. In the tip of a finger, it'd be worse uh-huh. than, like, if you got it on your arm or your yep. leg or something. Yep. But not a little bit off topic, though, but talking about fishing with shoes on versus not shoes uh-huh. on those little flies that are out on the river in the summer yep i have an allergic reaction to those so i cannot fish without shoes on in the sure. summer if i get they go from my ankles and the top of my foot and my it is my foot just blows up like a balloon and i get dizzy and it hurts and it itches jeez yeah i, I think they're i don't know if they're deer flies yeah like or, a deer fly or what they are yeah. But I have an allergic reaction to them, so I just I just leave my shoes on. Yep. It's that tournament we fished a couple of years ago. At, we fished full day, you know, tournament day, and it was hot. And we'd caught a couple of pike, and the deer flies were all over the boat. Yeah. And the next day, his feet were, like, swollen up so bad he couldn't <laughs> yeah. put his shoes on. And uh, the day that I proposed to my fiancé, I got, I got bit by one on the top of my left foot about... <laughs> 25 minutes before it was all supposed to go down <laughs> and i was in so much pain i almost bailed on the whole operation jeez <laughs> yeah we're sitting in the weeds in the poison ivy and poison oak on the islands trying to take pictures and fly the drone around oh you were hiding out taking yeah, pictures I mean, yeah. oh jeez oh, yeah, everybody hunter <laughs> that's wild yeah well cool guys uh one one question i like to i like to ask everybody that i get guests on here is uh can you tell me about a time when you were outdoors when time was standing still zach you're left of the dealer let's start with you yeah i uh kind of thought about this for a little while and i think there's a couple of things that come to my mind but they're all kind of similar it's you know we talked about turkey hunting talked about a little bit of fishing uh when you you know the one thing that comes to my mind right away is when you have success you harvest something whether it's a deer or turkey or you know limited ducks whatever something you worked for and you you kind of are done you can kind of just sit there and let everything happen around you and you kind of can take it all in mm-hmm. and i think everything kind of s- stands still at that moment mm-hmm. i think the the biggest one that i can think of from this past season was matt and i were were duck hunting and it was a it was a it was a good day and november 21st and uh i was sitting out there and I was waiting for him to come up, and we really weren't expecting much to happen. Got set up into a spot, and it was like, got in there at 11, nothing. All of a sudden, 12.30 hit, and it was like the skies turned black almost, and the ducks just wanted to be in there. And I killed my four greenheads and tripled on the last three out of a flock of eight. Nice. You know, 10 yards. And I call him, you got to get in here. You got to get down here. And he's coming as fast as he can. He comes and sits for 10, 15 minutes. And we land. I landed a flock of 20 in the decoys while I was waiting for him. And he gets in there, and it's like four greenheads come in, and four greenheads do not leave. And we're done. <laughs> and we just sit there, and we're like, oh, that just happened. Wow. You just kind of just sit there and look at everything. Yeah, we sat there for a while. Just kinda... We sat there till dark. It was 2 oh, o'clock. Yeah, almost. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And two hours, we're just kind of sitting there taking it all in. That's sweet. So, yeah. yeah. It's a good example. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I echo what he said, but um, a little bit different. I maybe maybe a little recency bias because it's June right now and we just got done with turkey season. But um, 
kind of I guess this would kind of be what what he said, but just taking it in after you had some type of success. So after shooting a turkey, just kind of sitting there and enjoying it for a little bit. And maybe it's early in the morning and you got some time to just kind of hang out and, and enjoy it. But uh, more specifically, you say when time stands still. I I this kind of popped into my head a, a little bit later. But when you're when you're going in early for a turkey hunt. And you get to the point where you're gonna listen, and you're just standing there, you know. And, and you were early enough; you're not running late or anything. You're early enough where you're waiting for the gobbling to start, for the woods to wake up, mm-hmm. and you're just, you know, you're where you want to be to listen, and you're just standing there and listening. And it's that's that that's like time standing still. Like you know, the some of the birds, the the, the songbirds start to wake up, and you're just listening to them, but the the gobbling hasn't started yet, and you're mm-hmm. just waiting for it, you know maybe the gobbling doesn't happen that's what you're kind of waiting waiting to find out yeah you know if you if you're with somebody you're not you're not talking you're just standing there you're just waiting you know listening and it's just starting to get light and yeah i'd say that's that's it for me yeah that's a great example you painted a pretty good picture i i mean i i can appreciate that 100 percent. yeah kind of waiting even you know you like you get out to your whitetail spot too i mean that's a good you know waiting for the woods to kind of wake up mm-hmm. listening for that first crunch of leaves or is it a squirrel or is yeah. It a, yeah and so that, and and there's something about that in in hill country too like around here where you know you're I, never I don't know. know there's just something about the topography of and, and you're listening and sounds just kind of sound different you know something might be down in the valley or on the other side of the ridge and kind of like analyzing sounds trying to decide where they're coming from based on you know what the topography is and yep i'm I'm sure it's the same out west in the mountains and everything but it's just yeah that's that's it for me yeah sweet great examples guys well cool one more thing and i i I never tell any of my guests (laughs) beforehand about this section it's my this or that section surprise segment Uh, (laughs) it's a a list of of 10 questions two options um, we'll rifle through them really quick, and then we'll just uh, we'll wind it up from there. Sound good? Sounds okay. good. So it'll, well, I'll, you guys just ask answer. Uh, we take turns, or yeah, we'll take turns. Zach okay. go first, and Matt goes, you know, go second. Uh, right. But yeah, we'll go, and then we'll uh, wind out from there. Sound good? Good. All right. So first question: box call or slate call? Slate call. Slate call. Both slate Crystal. call. Glass. Crystal. Yeah. What about you? Slate. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I I like Friction, a slate yeah. call as well. Yep. All right. What about a fat head or a willow cat? Willow cat every day. <laughs> willow cat. Oh, I, once the water temp hits about sixty-six like, degrees. Yeah. If if you're talking early spring, thirty-three yeah. degree water, I don't want any willow cats. Yeah. In the sure. Sixty-six degrees it has to hit until otherwise I'm not having any willow cats in my boat. But you're still choosing willow cats. I'm still choosing willow yeah. cat. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. What about finding a shed or finding a morel mushroom? Oh, shed by far. Zach's done more shed hunting than I have, but uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'll go morel mushroom. Then. Nice. What about pan fried or broiled? Broiled. Probably broiled. Yeah. I've been right. I've been trying to get away from the the deep frying with fish yep. recently and trying to do more stuff. I like grilling and uh, blackening, broiling, yep. Yep. baking, whatever. All right. Next question: Puddle ducks or divers? Puddle. Ducks. Matt, you're getting out of turn here. <laughs> you're passionate, though. Uh, I like it. But canvas bags. The king. Yeah. I, if it's puddles or it's divers, I go puddle, but 
canvas bag is i don't know we've got a pretty good story about diver hunting really the only diver hunting the actual diver hunting that we did we we killed we went hunted lake michigan a couple years back with matt's old lab and you got to retrieve one of our ducks that we've got mounted we've got a pair of bluebills mounted yeah sure so, yeah, so I, nah, we're getting off topic, but <laughs> that's okay. I grew up hunting Lake Michigan a bit, and then also when I would come out to Mississippi River, we'd hunt Pool Thirteen and hunt divers a lot with layout boats. Um, so that's yeah. So I, I used to diver hunt more. Now we are you know always trying to hunt puddle ducks, but but yeah, we had a pretty good uh, experience on Lake Michigan a couple of years ago where we uh, shot a couple greater greater scalp. Nice and. Uh, yeah, my 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 lab got to retrieve them that passed away a couple of years ago, and cool. Uh, we both got them both mounted. Zach's was a little better than mine. <laughs> they were both nice birds. Yeah, mine was a little bit more shot up, but we got them both mounted. And uh, his his mount is one of the cooler mounts I've coming straight out of the I've wall, coming seen. right at you like cool. divers do, yeah. low on the deck. Oh yeah, just <laughs> big greater bluebill. So yeah, yep. sweet. Our goal for that hunt was to, that was what our goal was, yep. is to shoot a couple bluebills, and that's what we did. So that yep. was that was a good hunt. Nice. Cool. Yep. All right, question six. I know you guys both both like fishing on the ice, too. So hard water or soft water? <laughs> no question, soft water. No question, soft water. <laughs> All right. <laughs> ice fish because we have to. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> my, <laughs> my perspective would be a little bit different if I lived in central northern Minnesota. Yep. Yeah. But uh, living around here... I bluegills, bluegills get born after the first. I cannot wait for the ice to melt. <laughs> I hear you. All right. What about a? F- you get a boat. You get a, you flat bottom or a V hull. Depends on the depends on the situation. You get one. I you think get what's one. the application? You get one. <sighs> well, I have a V hull, and so V hull. Okay. Suppose. I would say a flat bottom probably is more more uh, versatile. You can do more things with for the river. Yeah, for the yeah, river. It's I have both. Good point for that purpose but yep. it's you know it's one of those things where i think a flat bottom is probably the best i guess overall. for what what i do what we do i for duck hunting and fishing on the river if i had to start over and i could only have one boat it'd probably be a mod a 16 foot mod v okay with kind of the best of both worlds mm-hmm. yeah yeah so you, you can kind of push it around in the backwaters for duck hunting and then it's a good fishing boat too so matt you'd say v zach yeah. you'd say I'm gonna say flat. flat. Bottom. All I'm right. Say flat. All right. What about a hair jig or a rip and wrap? Oh, rip and wrap. I don't catch enough fish on hair jigs. Rip and wrap. <laughs> All right. Hair jigs are fun. I fun love to, fun to tie, but I love making them. But I they never I, seem to be the the juice. I just <laughs> for I us. catch one fish. I know on people catch fish on them all the time, but it's not not <laughs> our. I wouldn't say it's our bread and butter. Sure. What about a brown trout or a smallie? No brown trout. Smally. All right. And what about, last question here, what about public land or private land? I'm going to say private land. That one's, that could open up a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go, I guess I'm going to go with public. All right. Couple, uh couple of differences there. I like it. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I told you, I was going to try to make it hard on yeah. you guys. And I think, yeah. it, I think it was, oh, it was pretty good. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming out here. Uh, it's been fun chatting with you. I've learned, like I said before, I've learned quite a bit about walleye fishing. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, hopefully we can uh, do it again sometime. Sounds yeah, good. Guys. We're going to have to get out fishing together. Yeah, All right. For sure. Thanks, we're guys. Yeah, thank you.